and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. We thank God for His blessing. Hallelujah. It's been a good day, hasn't it? You might have been in church this morning. I was in church earlier this morning too and glad to be back in God's presence with God's people tonight. I'm one of those guys that can't get enough. I'm kind of addicted to Jesus. What can I say? <laughs> I want more of him. And it's been that way for quite some time. And I don't, I don't see it letting up anytime soon. God has more for us, always more, always something in store, always something special. Every time we come together, we come with an expectation because our God is alive. He is alive and he moves and he speaks and he heals and he sets free and he delivers. How many of you know that's true? We, we live in India. We'll be heading back tomorrow over there. There's all kinds of gods that are dead. They worship dead gods. They worship gods out of tradition, out of religion, out of superstition, out of fear, out of obligation, social obligation. They worship that which can do nothing for them. They're trapped in that darkness. And here we are worshiping the living God. We should never take it for granted. Not once should we gather in his presence and just treat it like it's some ordinary thing. There's nothing ordinary about this. God inhabiting the praises of his people. God coming to fellowship with us. The Holy Spirit moving in our midst. It's so wonderful. And I'm just happy. (laughs) I'm happy to be here in his presence, his fullness of joy. Amen. Well, it is an honor for me to be with you. It is really a joy for me to be here. It's been a number of years since I've come um, and been able to speak to the church. But this church is such a... An amazing part of my life and our ministry in India since I met Pastor Joel and first was introduced to him in India when he came with the team a number of you um, some of you here tonight many of you have come to India and you're all invited if you ever want to come let us know we there's there's plenty to do over there but you know since we met and were introduced to Word of Life it has just been such a blessing to us, to my family. Uh, we listen to Pastor Joe all the, t- all the time. We're like subscribe, maybe top fans or something on Facebook, whatever. And uh, we just enjoy so much um, the ministry of this house and are so just amazed at what God's doing here and, and glad that we can be connected, have a, a connection, a divine, divinely ordained relationship with Word of Life and to be able to be an extension of this house over in India, other side of the world, you just have to know that you're making an impact, you're making a difference over there, and of course, in many other nations, and uh, it's just amazing that we can be a part of that, and you just know that you're plugged in here, you're, you're part of this ministry, you guys are touching the world. Give yourself a hand, man, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome, seriously. It's just amazing what God's doing, and, uh, and again, it's a blessing to be a part of it, Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. As you support this this church, you really are making a difference around the world. So keep up the good work. The best is yet to come. We ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. We ain't seen nothing yet. Hallelujah. My son and I are here. This is Joshua on the front row. My uh, young man, he turned 18 in October last year and graduated high school the day before we came on this trip. So, yeah. He is an amazing young man, loves God, loves the presence of God, loves to worship God. He's a great drummer, and uh, he's he's missing his drum set back home, so we got to get him back home, and I'm missing my wife and my daughter and just everything that God's doing over there, so we're looking forward to getting back. It takes us a couple days to get to India, where we live. It's almost two days, a little more than that, actually. It 
It's a long trip. I got, we got five flights, so we'll start tomorrow and start working our way to the other side. And uh, we'll get back and jump back into what God's doing over there. We came to the States to pray. We came to be part of the prayer conference. We were in another prayer conference in Oklahoma and then came down to be a part of the prayer conference here uh, in Jackson. And I was so blessed to see the house packed with people coming to pray. Man, I hope if did, it, y'all part of the prayer conference, raise your hand if you attended. Man, don't miss it next year. Clear your schedule. Do whatever you got to do. Move things around. Come and pray. They're my favorite, my favorite kinds of meetings are prayer meetings. And, you know, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. He said, but you, you made it a den of thieves talking to those Pharisees. And prayer is the thing when you engage with God, it's, it's just a different dynamic. You know, we could come to church and we could come to receive and to come to get something. And, and that's a little dangerous because you keep just that, that sort of, that, that, uh, that dynamic is almost like, what Jesus was saying, it's a den of thieves. It's, it's turning into a den of thieves. means what? Kind of some selfishness going on, there to get something, there to grab something, whatever I can get. But when you, when you come and you pray, you're coming to give something. And that's the function that God has ordained for us to fulfill in the earth is to, to fuel what he's doing prayerfully. So make sure you, I, we're already kind of making plans for next year. So we, we do look forward to coming back and coming to pray with our friends and family here in the great state of Mississippi. So we, we enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed it. And, um, and again, I was just blessed, man. We had to park like somewhere in the grass because there were so many people. <laughs> packed the house, people coming ready to pray. What a blessing. You know, that's not exactly the norm. You know, you announce a prayer meeting and you get like, you know, the front row most of the time, the faithful few that come. But to see the house packed with people coming, to a prayer conference, that tells you something right there. That just really clues you in that God is up to something at Word of Life Church. Because when you get that many people coming to pray, to give their supply, to contribute, even to learn that so that we can be more effective in that, that tells you something. You guys are on the right track. Amen. Hallelujah. Awesome. So we'll be heading back tomorrow. And uh, yeah. You know, we do a lot of different things in India, and as we look to the Word of God, we might just jump, I might jump back and forth from here to there and just pull into tonight's time just some experiences and, and things that I've learned over the years in India. I went there young. I started young. I started early. Jesus totally just wrecked my life as a teenager, and there was just nothing I could do about it. There was no going back. I had to go forward. And he began to make it clear to me as a teenager that I was supposed to go to India. And, and so I moved there when I was 19. I didn't go to visit. I just moved there, put everything I thought I might need in one of those Rubbermaid tote things. And I mean, just loaded it up with all kinds of odd, just random things like Top Ramen. I didn't know if they'd have food. What, what was I going to eat? So come to find out they have their own top ramen they have their own noodles all that stuff and the food's great i've not complained for a day i just love indian food so that wasn't a problem but i did get my indiana jones hat and because all i knew about india was indiana jones like there was one movie where he went to india and they ate monkey brains and stuff so that's all i knew and but i had the call of god and i answered the call of god and i'm so glad and it's the grace of god that has made it possible. And, um, and so that was back in the year 2000. So going on 24 years now in India. And uh, we're just in love with what God's doing there. So grateful to be a part of that. And uh, there's a lot of people there. You know, that, the first thing that you kind of are struck with if you ever come to India, it's, it's the multitudes. Like you just don't realize that there's that many people in one place. And Really, the multitudes are there, and the harvest is great, and the laborers are few, and, and the harvest needs laborers. The harvest still needs men and women who will answer the call and go, and, and to make that commitment early. You know, I, I went when I was young. There was not very many strings holding me back, not a lot of obligations, not a lot of responsibilities. I was just free at that age to be able to pursue the call of God, and tell you what, God is still calling. God still needs laborers. And I believe there's people even in this room tonight that are called to go.
called to go to bring the gospel to people who haven't heard it, to go to far off places, dark places, places where people are in bondage, they're lost. And they need the light. They need the light that you carry. They need the truth that you know. And you'd be amazed. You know, people just know so little around the world. The things that you've learned and gained and grasped in this church could be a blessing to so many people in so many nations. So, like, I think it was William Carey that said, to know the will of God, you need an an open Bible and an open map. (laughs) Where do you want me to go, Lord? Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I, I met Jesus when I was 15. I moved to India when I was 19. For about three years, I was under my pastor's care, learning the word, growing in the things of God, serving in the church. It didn't take a decade. It took about three years of me just being there, consistent, to the point where God counted me worthy or faithful or whatever to, to use me in another nation. And, of course, you don't become a missionary when you go somewhere. You become a missionary right where you are. And if God can't use us right here, if God can't use you right here, right now, you're not going to be much use anywhere else. And so, you know, my, my high school became my mission field. The streets became my mission field. Like my friends and I, to have fun, we'd go and, like, preach Jesus. That, that was fun. Go hand out tracts, go preach Jesus. We'd get a video camera and go interview people. And it's like, what do you think of when you hear the name Jesus? And just do that kind of stuff. And, I mean, I got suspended. Well, I, I ended up in the counselor's office one time because of my excessive tract distribution habits. They thought I was some kind of religious fanatic. And, like I said, I am addicted to Jesus, so I guess they were right. But when they saw the change that Jesus made in my life, because it was night and day, I dropped out of high school when I was a freshman, was kicked out of school, never went back, and I I ended up with a 0.4 GPA, you know, that grade point average thing. And so when I got saved, met Jesus, went back, it went from 0.4 to 4 point, and they couldn't figure that out. They couldn't understand. So they, they said, what happened to you? I told them Jesus happened to me. And he's the answer <laughs> to every other failing, you know, messed up kid on this campus. And, and so in the counselor's office, this conversation went on. And, you know, she said, okay, <laughs> go, 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 go back to work. So, so, yeah, God will use you. You make yourself available to him. He'll use you right now, right where you are. And um, you don't have to know everything because a lot of things you'll just learn as you go, as you do, you, you practice and, and you begin to learn and grow. That's been the story of my life the last 24 years. I didn't know everything when I went to India, but I knew Jesus. I knew his heart. I knew his will. And that's enough. And God will teach you the rest of the things that you need to know along the way. Amen. Let him use you right here in Jackson. Let him use you in the high school. Let him use you on the streets, the grade school, the middle school, whatever kind of school, on the job. Let him use you. Be his hands and his feet, and you'll have lots of fun memories. You can tell your kids, your grandkids one day, this is what Jesus did through me on the streets of Jackson, Mississippi. Amen. So I had something in my heart, just this phrase that came up, and that is the true you. The true you. And you know, I believe that the true you is the new you, not the old you, the new you, the you that's made in the image of God that was recreated, born again. You became a new creature in Christ Jesus when you gave your life to Jesus. And that new you is the true you. And we discover these things about ourselves in the Bible. There's no other source of, of information that would really help us to understand ourselves apart from the word of God. You can't learn it anywhere else. You can't learn it, you know, in a classroom. You can't learn it in some psychology, whatever, philosophy. You have to learn it in the Word of God. And we understand as children of God that our life is hidden in Christ. And so to know ourselves, we have to know Jesus. And until you know Jesus, you can't even really know yourself. You can't know. That's why so many people are so confused. You see all the confusion in the world is because they're trying to locate themselves, find their identity in the world. The world system, the world standards, the world's ideas, all the perversion that's out there. There's a lot of confusion, and all the answers are waiting for us in the Bible. When I met Jesus, I didn't know that I was born again. I didn't know that I was a new creature. I just knew that something happened to me at that youth camp, and I'm different now. 
But as I sought God in his word, I began to realize exactly who I was and exactly what happened to me, that I was a new creature in Christ, that I had been born again. And this then becomes our identity. We understand who we really are, the true you. So that's all in the Bible. And we have to have a vision of ourselves in the word of God. And as you go through the word of God, you're going to come across scriptures that begin to define you. They really define your life. And so we don't have to recreate anything. We just discover what's already written and we go with it. As far as like, what's, what's God's plan for my life? Well, if you read the Bible enough, you're going to find out what God's plan is for your life. What, what, what's my destiny? I'm telling you, you read the Bible and you begin to realize this is my destiny. You find yourself in the volumes of the word of God. Our life is hidden in Christ. When we go to the word, we begin to discover all of the details. So let me start in the, the book of Matthew. We'll, we'll kind of hang out in the Gospels a little bit tonight together. Is that okay? The Gospels, kind of the heart of Christianity. The Gospels where we see Jesus. We see his ministry. We see his power, his love. We see his healing touch the virtue that flowed we see all these things about jesus we see the disciples so you know you're going to get a vision of jesus you're going to see jesus in the bible you're going to see jesus in you you're going to then you're going to begin to see yourself in the bible we we read about all these disciples and we can even relate to them can't we i mean you you spend enough time in the word of god you begin to see yourself matthew chapter 11 um in chapter 11, John the Baptist is talked about a bit, and I want to look at his life. I like John the Baptist. I mean, I look forward to meeting John the Baptist. We don't know exactly what he looked like, but we just know he was kind of a wild guy, wasn't he? I mean, beard, honey, grasshoppers, leather belt, some kind of robe, you know, just the guy, he's something else. And in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. This is what Jesus said about John the Baptist. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, this is to me like the ultimate compliment that anyone has ever received. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that when the Son of God says that <laughs> you are the greatest man who was ever born. Can you imagine? That's John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said about John the Baptist. So I, you know, I, I think we could learn from John the Baptist. I think we could learn from the man that Jesus said was the greatest man who was ever born. And of course, right on the heels of that statement, God says something through Christ about all of us. That the least in the kingdom, he who was least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He's talking about all of us now, everyone who's been born again, everyone who's part of the kingdom of God now through Christ, the redeemed of the Lord, those who've put their faith in the son of God, his sacrifice that Jesus says we're greater even than John. The you have to know there's greatness in you. You have to know when God looks at our lives, he doesn't think, oh, man. Uh, what am I going to do with so-and-so? Ah, uh, they're hopeless. You know, there's just constant. God doesn't look at us and see the faults, the failures. The... He sees the potential. He sees the potential for greatness in every one of his children. And he calls us great in this scripture. You have to know that God sees greatness in you, and his expectation of us is greatness. You know, if God's expectations were so low, then we'd never rise up to anything. But, you know, his expectation is so high and so great. And it's not that, you know, it's impossible. No, we just have to rise to the level of his expectation. He sees greatness in his people. He wants to do great things in your life and through your life. That's why the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And he's called the greater one. And Jesus said that, the works I do, you'll do also in even greater works than these. Will you do? Greater works, the greater one, the greatest in the kingdom. Can you see the theme there? Greatness, greatness, greatness. 
That's what God sees when he, when he sees us, when he sees you and me. Greatness. The greater one lives in you because he wants to do greater works through your life. And so the true you is great. The true you is destined to do something great. The true you, the real you, the man, the woman on the inside that's born of the spirit is destined to do something great for God. And so it's just a matter of discovering and understanding and realizing what is it? What is the thing that God wants to do through my life? We know it's great. The greater one lives in us to do something great. So what is it, Lord? What do you want to do through my life? How do you want to use me? And these are the kinds of questions that all of us can ask the Lord. What do you want to do through my life? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to reach? I'm yours, Lord. I'm your hands. I'm your feet. You can speak through me. You can heal through me. You can live through me. Just use me. And if he can find someone who's willing and obedient, he can do something great through their life. Like John the Baptist. John the Baptist lived a great life. John the Baptist did something great. He actually did something that had never been done before. And we know what he's known for. He's known as John the Baptist, right? So he was out there in the wilderness baptizing people in the Jordan River. And somehow the multitudes were drawn to John and he was baptizing them in water, something that had never been done before. You know, there's types and shadows of it in the Old Testament, but it wasn't a thing ever until John stepped in that water and people came to him and repented and he, he baptized them. The baptism of repentance, that they should look to Jesus, that they should believe in the one who was to come. This was a great work. This was a mighty work, something brand new, something fresh from heaven that he got from the heart of God. We don't know how God exactly downloaded this concept into his heart, but he did it. And God was so pleased and so impressed with the great work that John was doing that Jesus himself came to John. Can you imagine? You know the story. To be baptized by John. The creator is being baptized by his creation. And you know John's reluctance. They're like, no, I need you to baptize me. I'm so unworthy. I shouldn't even be opening your sandal. But Jesus said, it's right. And we have to fulfill all righteousness. John, what you're doing is right. And Jesus came to engage with John and to participate with what John was doing. Oh, that we would do something that Jesus wants to be a part of. That we would do something on this earth that Jesus is attracted to. You know, our relationship with God, it's not like, it's, it's a real relationship. You know, sometimes people feel confused. They're like, is this God or is this me? Or is this the devil? <laughs> you know, like, who is it motivating me? You know, we joke about, like, giving sometimes. Like, is this God or is this just me? Or, uh, you really think the devil's going to tell you to give? He's not. He's not going to tell you to give anything. He's going to tell you to keep everything. Be selfish. Keep it in your pocket. Don't give it. Don't bless anybody. Just hoard it up, store it up, you know. That's the devil. He's not going to tell you to give nothing. So, so is it God or is it me? Oh, yes. If, God, if, if it's just you, then good. <laughs> you know what that proves? That proves that your mind is being renewed, that you know the, the heart of God, that you have the mind of Christ, and you're cooperating with him. He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. You know, we don't have to be confused about where God ends and we begin. We're one with him. He drops his desires deep down on the inside. and We begin to want what he wants and we begin to do what he wants us to do. And we can live in such the way like Jesus described. I do what I see the father do. I say what I hear the father say. And so that that confusion that comes sometimes. That second guessing, that questioning really hinders us from just stepping out in faith and doing something. And it's the faith that pleases God, it, not even the results. You know, sometimes we'll step out there and we'll fall on our face. and We'll fail and we'll mess up and we can say, Lord, help me, forgive me. It's the faith that pleases him. The fact that we're willing to step out in faith and just do something. Just do something. John sure did something and Jesus sure appreciated what John did. And Jesus called John the greatest man ever born and I want to be like John. 
I want to get something from the heart of God, and I just want to do it. I want to step out in faith and do something maybe that's never been done before. It's okay. God wants to do a new thing. He does. He's looking to do a new thing even in your life and through your life, in this church and through this church. So Jesus talks about John. If you go to John chapter 1, the Pharisees over here are going to begin to kind of interrogate John, (laughs) which is fun. John chapter 1, verse 19, says, Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? What a question. (laughs) Who are you? And so remember what we're talking about, the true you. The true you. Who are you? Verse 20, he confessed. He did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Who are you? John says, I am not the Christ. So to know who you are, you also have to know who you're not. Right? You're not anybody else. We can't try to be like anybody else. You have to be you. God can use you if you're you. But God can't use you if you're trying to be somebody else. And so to know the true you and who you really are, you have to also know who you're not. And you're not anybody else. You are uniquely you with gifts, talents, abilities, a call on your life that is unlike the call on anybody else's life. There's something special that God wants to do through your life, and he just needs you to be you and to grow and to become all that he's called you to be. So I love this answer. John's like, I'm not this. And they asked him again. He says, what then? Are you Elijah? I'm not. Wrong again. Are you the prophet? No. (laughs) So they're just going back and forth. Verse 22. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Man, that's such a good question. That is such an important question for us to answer. What do you say about yourself? You know, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you as much as what you say about yourself. It doesn't matter what kind of label, what kind of anything that anybody says about you, but what you say about yourself. What do you say about yourself? And and so John has an answer now. (laughs) He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. Who are you, John? What do you say about yourself? And then he quotes a Bible verse. I am what the word says I am. John had to find himself in the scriptures just like you're going to have to find yourself in the scriptures. God God revealed John's destiny, the call on his life through the prophets. By reading the word of God, John must have stumbled across that verse. How exactly it happens, I don't know. How did it happen in my life? The same way you're reading it, and it just identifies you. You read that promise, you read that passage, and it just hits you. Like, man, that's it. That's me. I'm there. I found myself in the book, in the Bible. Who are you? What do you say about yourself? And he quotes a Bible scripture. He, he quotes a verse of the Bible. You know, you have to say the same thing about yourself. What does the word of God say? What does God's word say? And you just say that. That's what I have to say about myself. This is what the Bible says. And you start quoting the promises of God. You start quoting the scriptures. That's what I have to say about myself. That's who I am. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. You find yourself in the book. You find yourself in the Bible. And God will reveal more details as we go on. He'll show us more and more of his plan and his purpose for our life. 
so that we can become all that he has destined for us to be, so that we can do all that he's destined for us to do. It's not complicated. It's just believing what the Bible says. How many of you um, have a journal of some kind? Raise your hand if you have a journal. That's really good. And so you're, you're documenting some things, right, about your walk with God, your relationship with God. One of the greatest habits that you could begin is just to journal your walk with God, your fellowship with God. I've done that for many years, and on most days, if I want to, I can look and see what God was saying to me years ago, what God put in my heart years ago. Don't you think if God's speaking, it's worth noting down? And don't you think if we're, if we're praying and spending time in the Word of God and we really believe that God's going to speak to us, that we ought to be ready to maybe write something down? We, we have to take it seriously. God's Word is powerful. God's Word is bread for you, for your spirit. It's nourishment. It's, it's what we live by. And to take time just to document that and to then be able to look back and say, man, God, this is what God had put in my heart Last year, the year before, or five years ago, or ten years ago. If, you, if you're not already doing that, I encourage you to begin tonight. Begin immediately. And you might not, you know, fill up every day and every page, but if you stay at it, eventually you'll have every day of the year. At least you can look back and see what God said to you at least sometime in your life on that day. I'm glad that the people who were reading here thought it, you know, worthy of noting down. God spoke and they wrote. They saw what God did and they wrote. And that's why we have a Bible today. So that was finally John's answer about himself and who he was and what he had to say about himself is just what the Bible said. That's who I am. I am what he said I am. I can do what he said I can do. I can be who he said I can be. Amen. We just take God at his word. I began to do that as a young man. God had to, my mind had to be renewed. I was, you know, I came from some serious dysfunctional type family stuff that was just out there. Man, we were like out there. Come from Oregon. Oregon's a little different. A little different vibe over there in Oregon. But we had some issues, you know. Sometimes in, in India they want to know what were you because everybody is something in India like they were Hindu or they were Muslim or they were, they were Buddhist or they're something. So what were you? And I'd be like, I wasn't any of those things. I was a sinner. <laughs> My family religion was sin, and we were practicing sinners, and we were really good at it. Really good at it. Yeah. I used to deal drugs for my mom at school. That kind of stuff, you know. So, so God had to, he had to pull me out of all that and the, the only way that I could ever change or ever grow was to just get in the Word and believe what the Bible says and believe about myself what the Bible says and begin to find myself in the Word of God. And I, I did that. I'm still doing that. And God's still speaking and He's still revealing. And it's awesome. So Jesus you know, said something about John, and John said something about himself. And there's another time that they were questioning Jesus about John. I want to show you that in Matthew chapter 21. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Everybody okay? You all right? Not in a hurry, right? Sunday night. I don't see any countdown, nothing. Man, this is awesome. We're just free. <laughs> I've been on the clock all day, but not anymore. <laughs> Matthew chapter 21. Check this out. We'll start in verse 23. It says, when he came into the temple, this is Jesus. The chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? Right? So they just interrupt his message. He's trying to teach, trying to preach, and they just confront him and start questioning him about his authority. And they're basically saying, like, who do you think you are? 
to do these things, to say these things. Who do you think you are? Who gave you this authority? And so in classic Jesus style, he answers them with a question. You can see in verse 24, Jesus answered and said to them, I'll also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I'll likewise tell you by what authority I do these things. Verse 25, the baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they begin to reason among themselves. Ah, that's a tough one, right? Like, if I say from heaven, then they'll say, why didn't you believe it? If I say from man, then they'll say, you know, they, they thought John was a prophet. So they're in a, some kind of conundrum. Is that a good word? They're like in a bit of a pickle. They're like not quite sure where to go, which side to go here. The baptism of John. Where was it from? Was it from heaven or was it from men? That couldn't answer. Verse 26, again, they're trying to figure this out, but verse 27, they, they answered Jesus and said, we don't know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? Yeah, I like when I read a the Bible and I come across these kinds of questions, I really like to just sort of figure out the answer. Like, what is the answer? I like questions in the Bible. I like to, you know. So was it from heaven or was it from men? What do you think? Okay. The baptism of John. Raise your hand if it was from heaven. Okay, put your hand down. The baptism of John. Raise your hand if it was from men. All right, not many people raised their hands, but more people did on the heaven side. Let me suggest to you that the answer is yes. It was from heaven, and it was from man, because everything that God does has to be done through a God, or through a man of God, through a woman of God. Everything God does, it comes from heaven to earth through a man or a woman who says, yes, I'll let you do that through me. So yes, it was from heaven, and yes, it was through and from man. It was from a man of God. That's how God does everything. He has to do it through a person. If God doesn't find an individual who, who will say yes to him, then it doesn't get done. Until God can find someone who's willing to step out in faith and do the thing that he's put in their heart to do, it just remains undone. And so I, I really believe the answer is yes. It is from heaven, and yes, it is from man. It's a man of God that God found willing to do the thing that God put in his heart to do. What does God want to do through you? What does heaven want to express through your life. What great thing. Remember, Jesus said you're great. And God gave you the Holy Spirit and he is the greater one. And Jesus said, greater works will you do. What great thing does God want to do through your life? He wants to do something great. He does. you close your eyes with me just for a moment father help us to see help us to understand and to realize the potential on the inside that there's nothing impossible for those who believe lord that we wouldn't limit you with our imagination that we wouldn't limit you with small thinking but that we would truly believe. Knowing that you are able, knowing that you are the greater one and you live in us and you desire to do something great, I believe, and I know through every individual in this room, Lord, that the greatness in them would be realized. Each and every one of their lives, 
You know, as, as I have just done my best to follow God and serve Him in India, some things you really don't have to pray much about. You just do it because it's right. It has to be done. We, we have a lot of different outreaches, and, of course, we have the Bible school. We have the churches. We have the children's homes. And, like, the children's homes was kind of like a no-brainer. Like, these kids don't have anybody. These kids need help, and we've got room, so come on home. Uh, right? I mean, you don't have to seek God. Like, God, do you want me to help these kids? You, you do it because it has to be done. And God, as you seek him, as you're stepping out in faith to do the thing that he puts in your heart to do, he's going to encourage you in the word of God. He's going to confirm to you. Sometimes he'll use a person. Sometimes you'll just know by the Holy Spirit. Many times as you're reading the scriptures, like we've been talking about, you're going to see something that, that reinforces what's in your heart. And you know. You're on the right track. You know that, yes, this is the will of God. Because God's word is his will, right? And if you know the word of God, you can know the will of God. And you can know the mind of the spirit. You can have the mind of Christ. And you can step out in faith and do the thing that's in your heart to do. So I'm going to share one more scripture with you and we'll be done. And this is, in my journey, this has been something that has become a personal promise that I've taken to heart. It's in Matthew chapter 19. I think it might be somewhere else. Oh, no, it is there. Yeah, Matthew chapter 19. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, um, with the children's homes, you know, it's kind of, I guess it's the, personally, it's the favorite thing that we get to do is to rescue these kids from hopelessness. I mean, if you've been to India, you've seen the sights and you've heard the sounds and you've smelled the smells and you know that life's rough for a lot of people. And, the most vulnerable are the ones who are most innocent, the kids. They have no power. They're powerless to, to do anything. They're just born into those situations. And, you know, India has a lot of people, and so there's multiplied millions that are in this sort of situation where there's nobody to take care of them. There's no government programs to help these kids, and so it's really up to the church. It's up to God's people. We're, we're the ones that can actually do something and make a difference in, in people's lives. And... And so for the last oh, 16 or 17, 17 years, we've been doing that. And for a long time, it was just our home base. We had a boy's home and a girl's home. And we had like a dozen or so, 15, 20 kids around there. And about six years ago, God put it in our heart to multiply those homes. And so we've grown from the one original home. We now have 11 homes. And we've got one more that we're opening the first quarter of this year in a new location. And each of these homes are set up to accommodate about 12 kids and uh, it's just a family. It becomes a family sort of set up and not too big, not kids getting lost in the crowd and uh, not being taken care of, but just keep it like that. And so that's the, uh, the strategy that God's given us. And we've got a desire to actually see 100 homes across India. We have one in Nepal and uh, anywhere else that the Lord leads us to, to do this in, we'd be willing to do it and to help as many kids as we can, to get them off the streets, to get them out of the slums, um, to get them in a place where they can know Jesus and they can get an education and they don't have to worry about food <laughs> and stuff like that. It's, it's really rescuing boys and girls from a life of uncertainty, just no certainty about life, hopelessness in their future. 
And so when we think about doing something for God, you know, this is, this is what God has given me and my family. And it's great. And I'm honored to be a part of that. And I, again, the, the, the true you, each and every one of you, there's something great that God wants to do through your life. It, it might not be exactly how God's using me, but, but he'll show you. He'll reveal it to you. And I was reading this some years ago, Matthew chapter 19. Verse, we'll start in verse uh, 26. Jesus looked at them. He said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Verse 27, Peter answered and said to him, see, we've left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? You know, what, what's in it for us? Peter's asking. And in verse 28, Jesus says to them, assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So that's just for them. That's just for those 12. But then verse 29, he says, and everyone, say everyone. Everyone, everyone means everyone, right? right? That means potentially you, me, and everybody else who's said yes to Jesus. Everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Some years ago, I read that, and I realized that God could give me a hundred homes from that verse. That, that, that's a promise that I could, I could take God at his word. I left one, and I went to a nation that wasn't my own. It's my own now. I've lived there most of my life now. And God could give me 100 homes. And I don't need 100 homes for myself, but we, there's lots of kids that we can help and fill those homes with precious boys and girls who have no hope. And so I say all that just as an example. You, you get in the Word. You look at the Scriptures. You get a vision of yourself. You find yourself. You let God speak to you and reveal to you His will for your life. What great thing does God want you to do? There's nothing impossible for him. We ought not think small. We ought to think great thoughts because our God is great. And he truly wants to do something great through your life. He truly does. And we get to do it together. I couldn't do, we couldn't do what we're doing without the support and the prayers of people like you. And there are some in this room that are helping us. This church helps us to do what we do. And we're always encouraged to just take another step of faith and do some more. There's, there's more that we can do. There's more kids that we can rescue. So thank you for being a part of our lives. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus right here in this place. You're going to see some great things in the coming days, greater than you've seen so far. Your greatest days are ahead of you. The greatest days of the church are ahead. Every believer's greatest days are out ahead. I've got some brochures that um, we'll make available. If you want to learn more about our ministry, we send out updates all the time so that you can pray and know what's happening. So these are here. We got some nice pictures of a lot of the kiddos in there that you can look at. But we'd love to keep you updated and um, invite you to get involved in the mission in India. It's a big work. And we serve a big God. Great God. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We exalt you, Lord. We honor you. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the truth that makes us free. Father, thank you that you're revealing to us your plan and your purpose, your will and your ways.
Thank you for speaking to your people, Father God, even tonight, that you speak concerning their destiny. He has great plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a, a hope and a future. Before you were born, he had a call and he had a grace for you to walk in. While you were in your mother's womb, <laughs> he already destined you to do something great for his glory. Father, thank you for each one here. May they fulfill all of your will and accomplish, Father God, that for which you've created them. May your perfect will be done, Father God, through every life in this place. It all begins with saying yes to Jesus. It all begins with taking that step to surrender our life to Jesus. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus or you're not walking with Jesus, you're not in fellowship with Jesus, I want to invite you to come to the front here take a step of faith and come if you want to consecrate and dedicate your life to Jesus for the first time or if you need to make a fresh commitment to him you can do it tonight you can do it right now and go from this place different than you came if you came confused if you came feeling lost. I want to invite you to come. I, I'd like to pray for you tonight. I believe the Lord will meet you right here, right now. If there's anyone like that, we'll take some time and pray for anyone who needs prayer. Thank you, Jesus.